This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by Fanatical. Hey, before you go and buy any video game, you owe it to yourself to make sure that you check out Fanatical for the best price. You'll get the same game, the same keys that activate in Steam, Origin, Epic, and other gaming marketplaces, but you'll pay a whole heck of a lot less. Go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, and click on the link to Fanatical before you spend any of your cold, hard cash. Again, go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, and find the link to Fanatical for all of your gaming needs. Now, on with the show. It is that time of the week again. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Ryan David. I'm joined by Bert. Hello, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How's it going this week? Ah, I'm tired. (laughs) I've had a busy, busy week, so... I, I couldn't recover. The The old man curse also hit me Friday. I, you know, went to pick up a pencil or something, <laughs> and all of a sudden my back hurt for three days. So, uh, yeah. it sucks being old. Are you going to start telling, when I was a young gamer stories, you know? I rolled my dice uphill both ways. Uh, and I was a young gamer. Um, my young gamer story is we, for a period of time, when the whole D&D is satanic, you know, Satan's window to the world. Oh, yeah, the satanic panic. Um, that whole thing. We actually played inside the elevator in the, the school building. We uh, called the elevator and... All sat down on the floor of the elevator and sent it up and then stopped it in between floors and we sat there during our free time. The school I went to was, I, I don't know, they they ran it much like a campus sort of feel. So you did have free time and downtime, you know, and uh, that's that's where we hid because the school got some pushback that some of those kids were getting influenced by the devil. And so they, they put the kibosh on Dungeons & Dragons. They even had a club and stuff, and they, they paused the club. And to get around hmm. it, because we were told we weren't allowed to play it in the common area anymore, we uh, we went into the elevator, <laughs> sat on the floor of the elevator, and had our daily hour of D&D in between the first and the second floor of the Oliver Building. your school sounds pretty interesting mine ran like a prison yard there was no downtime they herded you from class to class with like monitored halls this is gonna sound snooty but mine was a preppy private academy so ah you were one of those kids yeah yeah but that's you know we still got our gaming in uh this week we're gonna be selfish and talk all about us (laughs) works for me your favorite subject, right? Of uh, one of them, you know. Talk all about at least stuff that's going to apply to our Nerd Cognito gaming group. And I think people will see insight and draw a lot of parallels. First up, we're going to talk about, well, the board game end of our gaming group. I have two new folks that are lined up to sit in for a session or two. And okay. we're going to give them trial by fire with a board game. So I wanted to talk to you about what the hell are we going to torture them with for their first session. And then on the flip side of the news, we'll talk about non-fantasy tabletop role-playing alternatives that are out there. You okay. know, I told you last week that the, the guys talked to me and they're itching to do some role-playing, but they're not necessarily sure that the fantasy world is where they want to be for this next campaign. So we're going to kick the can around and see what you and I think are some legitimate options. That's fair. Sounds good to me. Sounds like we got a good show set up. Yeah, and I, like I said, as self-motivated as the episode segments are, 
I think a lot of people are going to be able to draw some parallels to their own groups and get some really thought-provoking conversation from us and going on inside of their brain on how to apply the things that we talk about in their life. But, well, yeah, we, we've got we've got two new folks coming in. Okay. Um, one of them is under my age barrier, Bert. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nobody's broken the age wall for our gaming group in quite some time. Uh, about three or four years, I think. Yeah, I think the last one was about four years ago. And it didn't work out the best. It didn't. And it wasn't necessarily a fault thing. It just... Not at all. You know, he moved all the way across the country, <laughs> which was the ultimate nail in the coffin. But, you know, he didn't have transportation and... Uh, it, it was it was a wreck. But yeah, this 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 new new gentleman that's going to be joining us. Um, I, I've obviously vetted him to a degree. You know, I okay. wouldn't normally when I see someone that is under age thirty, it raises an eyebrow. Not because I'm opposed to having the youngins. Those youngins, I'm opposed to having. I'm not opposed to having the youngins at the table. But usually, there's just a big disconnect and. The whole thing of gaming is everybody's supposed to have a good time, and I want to make sure that I have my good time, and that they also, you know, they're entitled to have a good time as well. Right. As a lesser secondary thing, you care about whether or not they have fun. <laughs> Ouch! Ouch! When did did you get on Twitter this week? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I did not. I did take a, a good beating over the weekend. <laughs> um. I got mentioned by a reasonably prominent person in the indie tabletop role-playing industry, and the Sparkle Trolls descended, man. They're like, I just want to let you know that Ryan David hates these people. I want to let you know that Ryan David is a detriment to the hobby. I want you to know that Ryan David does all sorts of bad, horrible things to cute little kittens. It, it was it was tremendous. I want you to know that Ryan David is a baby-eating monster from planet Zircon, you know? Well, they're delicious because, you know, they're so young and it's tender. <laughs> oh, you're terrible. I am. But yeah, we got a youngin' coming into the group. I didn't actually know he was as young as he is because he really does carry himself. I think he'll be a smooth and easy fit. Uh, okay. right into our group. And he's going to bring his girlfriend along, who is 10 years his senior, who does pass the age test. And I'm going based on his vouching for her and just stories that he told me over some quesadillas one day at lunch that she'll be all right, too. Okay. They, they sort of fell into a, a bad way, you know. Their group dispersed. People moved not only across the country, but into different countries. And they're sort of just puttering around playing some board games. And I said, well, hey, you know, there's a couple of groups that, that I can slide you into, but this one group might be a great fit for you. And right now we're playing board games. We're looking at ramping up a new role-playing something or other. And he was all about it. He was bowdy-bowdy and rowdy-rowdy. So I said, yeah, you know, Next week, why don't you uh, come on over and we'll throw something on the table to test your metal. And that's where we're at right now. Okay. What okay. should we throw on the table to test their metal, Bert? Well, there are a few things that I think about, you know, when it comes to our group. The question is, if this is supposed to be trial by fire... Do you throw something that's, you know, involved and difficult at them right off the bat? Or do you give them something with training meals on? And I'm kind of leaning towards the middle because I know that they are seasoned gamers. So they should be just fine. As far as testing their metal, it's really just making sure that they have a good time and that they are a good fit. Because, you know, one board game isn't a terrible investment for anyone. And I think it's a good sort of way to to feel out whether or not you're going to have a great time at a gaming table. The other the other Agreed. thing is it's it's not just 
a cold rando from the internet. It is a guy that I know and talk to, and he and I get along pretty well. Okay. So, I mean, my first thought is, you know, to find out how they're going to mesh with the group, um, you know, kind of learn more about their personalities as we go along. I'm going to recommend something co-op, something involved. I would recommend Arkham Horror. Arkham Horror. Interesting choice. It's funny because I said, yeah, uh, you know, come on over. We'll play Unfathomable and see if we survive. And and that was just like a litmus test that I threw out there to see where he's at as far mm-hmm. as sort of the state of gaming. Because Unfathomable is not necessarily an old game, but it's not also cutting edge brand new. It's also not necessarily everyone's cup of tea. And he was like, yeah, let's play some Unfathomable. <laughs> and I, I was like, okay sold. No, I I agree. I think it should be something co-op. I think it should be something that doesn't necessarily I don't want to say take itself too seriously, but doesn't pin the weight of the world on the actions of each character. It does definitely have to be something that that we work at as a cohesive unit. Right, um, right. I mean, and plus it gives you a chance to break out those leather cases. It does. It does show <laughs> off a little bit. Well, I did tell him about the leather cases. Uh, it's funny because when he and I were talking, the the game that we were leaning towards was not Arkham Horror, but Eldritch Horror. So we were almost on the exact same page. Really. Yeah, he does have a copy of Eldritch Horror, which is a plus because they know how to play it. He was distraught, though. He only has like two or three expansions. And I said, yeah, I've got Eldritch Horror complete. And he's like, what? All nine? All nine. (laughs) So um, I'm thinking Eldritch Horror might make its way to the table. Plus, you know, everyone in our group, no one will turn down a session of Eldritch Horror. Not ever. No, we're all, you know, we will all jump into that. We could possibly pull out Dead of Winter and throw in the Warring Colonies expansion to make it competitive co-op. Hmm. I do like Dead of Winter. I, I, I don't love it. I've never won at it, ever. I know. You love to bemoan that fact all the time. I played I, it 12 times, lost 12 times. I'm telling you, we won once. There was, there was a time, and, and I'm almost certain you were there. There and, was a time you won once as the traitor, but I lost. Oh, I, I really think there was a time that we won once. But I digress. Well, what if we were to go competitive? Which I don't think is the move that we necessarily want to do. Okay, but if we were going to go for something competitive. Competitive. Six players, huh? I know. It's a tough question. Competitive with six players. Well, I do have Terraforming Mars with all the expansions. That would take forever. (laughs) I didn't say we had to use all the expansions. Base game six players would take forever. (laughs) So you use the Preludes expansion to to ramp up the speed a little bit. And, and kind of jump things over. Because you're right, each person would have to take their turn, which it, which takes a little bit of time. But there's going to be less turns overall because the planet will heat up faster and oxygen level would rise quicker. True, true. And I, I'm just busting your ball. I mean, come on. I, I talked about Eldritch Horror. Eldritch Horror with six is going to take at least five hours. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah... Uh, maybe Eldritchor is not the game to throw on the table when we all get together. Now, the last time we got together, you you weren't with us. You you had something pop up, but we did right, play right. um, Teo to and that supports six. And I really enjoyed it. Of all of the crazy point salad. Very, very deep Euros that we've played. We've been in, in, in a rut with that. We've been playing a lot of those lately. Yeah, I mean, Barrage and... Uh, Ark Nova. Ark Nova. 
which of course is is the darling of the board game community right now. But no, right, I, right. I thought that Teotihuacan was amazing. I, I really enjoyed it more than anything that we had played in that genre for a long time. You know, I was Mezzo not... only supports four characters, right? Mezzo is just called? four. Mezzo it's is four. just four. <laughs> that actually was the top choice last week, and I beat the guys with a stick and said, no, 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 no. When we pull it out, it has to be with Bert. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think that we were on the same page. Introducing new folks... Not sure if this is going to be their final gaming home. You know, hopeful that we all get along. But, you know, I can rub another man's rhubarb every now and then. And if that were to happen or for whatever reason they were not a good fit, I don't think that one enjoyable board game night is too much of an investment. True, true. I mean... Of course, with our group, you'd, you'd have to be pretty, uh, you know, uh, there there have been some people who didn't fit in, but they were pretty rough around the edges when it came to things like, you know, common courtesy. Well, you know, I think it's going to come as a surprise to some of the uh, number one fans of mine, but I really do try to be as accommodating as possible when I'm bringing new folks into the into the group. I mean... Yeah, there's a little bit of a persona, especially here and especially online. And yeah, it is me, but it's me turned all the way up to 11. You know, I, I think for a board game night, I give, I'm give i going to give myself the pat on the back. I do a pretty good job of welcoming just about anybody into the table, as long as they're not completely out in left field. You know? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean... You know, on here, you're turned up to 11. Board game night, you're normally a good solid six, you know. Right, and if it's been a long week, I'm falling asleep at the table by 10 o'clock, so you only have to put up with me until I nod off. <laughs> That's why, why do you think I keep bringing those evil cookies? I know, it gives me my sugar bump around 9.30, and I'm good, I'm good to go. Yeah, all right, Sonny, I'm ready to rock and roll. Welcome to my table. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Bring me the newspaper. The news. This was a rough week for news, Bert. Yeah, it was pretty slim pickings. I I looked for some interesting articles this week, and I came up empty. I looked, well, you know, uh, all week, pretty much whenever something tickles my fancy i I try to pull it and save it for the show (laughs) i was looking at the news and i said okay oh i only saved three articles this week and then i looked at three articles and two of them were the same topic but from a different source (laughs) (laughs) oh wow that's rough and i said oh but you you put some together i found one right before we go to air and i'm gonna actually lead off with that one okay just because it tickles the cockles of my cold black heart and kicks me back into nostalgic, warm fuzziness. The TMNT comic writer and artist has worked on a new science fiction role-playing game Hmm. that is a follow-up source book for Mutants in the Now. Now, I'm going to be absolutely honest. I have not read Mutants in the Now. I know it exists. But that's all I know. Right. I mean, peripherally, I'm aware that there is a there is a book called Mutants in the Now, but I've never looked through it. I don't know very much about that either. So comic geeks that read the IDW run of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, myself included, will know the name Sophie Campbell. And she was oh. apparently tapped for this follow-up source book to Mutants in the Now. I'll read from the article because... I only read through the article briefly before we went on the air, so we'll hear it for the first time. The upcoming RPG sourcebook contains over 100 new mutant species for players to choose from, such as invertebrates, fish, amphibians, birds, alongside of more specific options for existing species, such such as pugs and long-haired Persian cats. 
Players will have the option to take wild mutations throughout their playthroughs, rolling a die, and taking whichever options are available to the type of animal mutant they're playing. That sounds very old school. Right, right. Unstable, unstable DNA or unstable mutation. Right. I mean, it, that almost reminds me of like, do you remember, you may not, do you remember Wild Magic? I do remember Wild Magic. Yeah, so the, you know, unstable mutation reminds me of Wild Magic, and it was always a really fun mechanic to bring to the table because you never knew what the hell was going to happen. Right, this can lead to some bizarre scenarios, so you could... Um, Again, according to the article, you can do things like grow two heads or get asymmetric limbs. Uh, it also includes a new collection of fighting styles that are going to be brought to the system. So you'll have the familiar styles, um, and I'm guessing, and again, that's because I've not read the original source book. I know it exists. It's on my to-do list. It just keeps getting pushed back and back and back. But I know that they had things like boxing and taekwondo and karate. And they, the one that, that I remember is they actually had a pro wrestling fighting style. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's now the introduction of psionic abilities and some new villain stuff. So Very cool. This is called Mutants in the Next, which is a follow-up source book for Mutants in the Now. And it was inspired by the original 1984, very Swedish, if you remember, game Mutant. I do remember Mutant. Do you remember Mutant? Yes. And the infamous, which I think gets a bad rap, 1986, 87, I'm not sure, actual TMNT role-playing game. But uh, it's being pushed out through what seems to be our new favorite publisher, Free League Publishing. Free League does some pretty cool stuff these days. I want to know how Mutants in the Now kind of slipped past our gaming group. Who wouldn't want to play a bunch of animal mutants? Like, it's just sort of nostalgia for all the guys in our group are of the age that they would have watched the Ninja Turtles. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I absolutely, absolutely agree with you. It's going to hit Kickstarter in June. And the digital version of the book is 14 bucks. So Free League, once again, keeping their cost in check, keeping the price point where it needs to be. I'm guessing, and I'm not even going to look, but I'm guessing that the print version for old guys like me um, is probably going to be about 30, 40 bucks. So, uh, Sounds about right. I uh, might just bump this up on my list. Like I said, it's just one that kept getting shoved to the back of the list. And sounds pretty cool. Sounds pretty cool. There's so many new properties coming out that I'm so very excited about. And, you know, we'll talk about some of the existing properties on the other side of the news. But, um, man, there's so much cool shit coming out in the tabletop world that's not from Wizards. <laughs> right. I, 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 I'm... I'm really glad that I stumbled on this at the last minute because otherwise I would have it would have just passed by like mutants in the now do. So mutants in the now and mutants in the now. I just bought mutants in the now while I was talking to you. So I'm forcing myself to read that source book this week, assuming my eyeballs don't fall out of my head from all the reading that I'm doing from my newest project. Ah. <laughs> uh, Eye strain is a real thing at our age, Ryan. Oh, it is. It is. I forgot how difficult and physically draining mental process can be until last week. So I, I don't want to get into details. Everybody knows that I kick back and enjoy my retired life. But I do keep some projects and some things on the back burner. And last week involved a lot of learning for me. And I'm a pretty with it guy. But sure, man. I mean, you're capable of learning, but learning <laughs> is a difficult process. Yeah, it's that. I was physically and emotionally sapped every day last week. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this week because I think that I'm going to be able to hit the brakes and just start living life again. Not living 
is generally your character in a Silent Hill game. You were a big fan of Silent Hill, right, Bert? Huge fan. I played the I played the first three or four games like religion, like trying to get all the endings, trying to find all the secret stuff. I remember playing the first game. I don't remember finishing it. And I can honestly say that I never got hooked into Silent Hill. So I'm not one of those, you know, pyramid head fanatics. But Konami has been handing out a bunch of takedown cards on the net for the last week because supposed, alleged multiple images from their new Silent Hill project have leaked. A um, new Silent Hill project? Yes. My ears just perked up. Uh, oh, ho, ho, ho. Well, there was a series of posts from a horror game leaker that has an uncanny amount of accuracy as far as leakers go. His name's Dusk Golem. And... He leaked five images of the untitled Silent Hill project, or so he attributed. Now, Konami came out and said, this is not Silent Hill. This, this, that, I don't know what this is, but it's not Silent Hill. This guy's full of shit. And everyone said, okay, okay, it's not Silent Hill. It looks cool, but, you know, there's nothing specifically tying it to Silent Hill. And then the next right. day, they started handing out takedown notices for Silent Hill IP. <laughs> Interesting. So they said, this is not Silent Hill. Take down that Silent Hill stuff. (laughs) Uh, The art is exactly what you would expect. One is just an atmospheric filled with a trash-filled apartment. There's a close-up visual of a woman's face that's stylized to look like a ripped piece of paper. Um, There's text that uh, appears to be part of an email about some sort of child neglect investigation. So it's deep, and Silent Hill always was pretty deep. It was. Uh, there was a humanoid character that appears to be sprouting flowers all over their body. It, it's typical Silent Hill art. I mean, you would look at it, and you would say it's Silent Hill. Let me send you some of these now taken down images. Uh, I cannot post them because I don't want to get a takedown notice. (laughs) Absolutely, right. Into the show notes. But I can send them to you and you can take a peek. Oh, wow. Okay, that's kind of creepy. What I think is the one that definitively says Silent Hill is the one that I just showed you, not only because of the character design, but because Ito's son has signed it and he was the creator of Pyramid Head. Plus, you know, even looking at the background, it has that sort of broken world feel that Silent Hill had. Now, I'm going to defer to you, because like I said, I was not super into Silent Hill. So you've now seen these. What do you think? I mean, especially the last one you sent me looks very much like a Silent Hill property. Unless they're... So for everybody... That doesn't know what we're talking... We're talking about the character that that looks like it's sprouting flowers everywhere. Right. I mean, just looking at it, unless they have Ido working on a new horror property, I mean, this this definitely screams Silent Hill to me. But it's not Silent Hill. Just take down those pictures from Silent Hill. (laughs) It's Silent Hill. Come on. (laughs) I mean, at this point, yeah, leaks suck. Yes, leaks are terrible. And unfortunately, they're kind of inevitable. But when they happen, you're not fooling anybody. It's You say, yeah, okay, these are Silent Hill. We're issuing takedowns. It's not finished. We don't even know if this is going to be in the game. Still looks pretty cool. I would definitely buy this game, even if it wasn't a Silent Hill game. And I am a fan of certain certain types of survival horror games. I'm not a fan of the monster-in-a-box jump-scare survival horror bullshit. I do like something a little meatier. Because, you know, I am an intellectual. But, um, yeah, I, it's, it's intriguing. I want to know more. 
if Konami were smarter, they could have possibly posited this into a positive instead of a negative. They could have used this as the base for some buzz. Maybe even followed up with some viral online marketing. But what do I know? Yeah, I mean, I agree. If somebody leaks your stuff and it looks as cool as this, you know, you could really use that as sort of, uh, you know, they did you they did you a favor. You know, maybe you weren't ready to announce it yet, but if people are looking at it and saying it's cool, you know, you it's time to go. Yeah, it's an upcoming project from Konami, and you know, here's what we can tell you so far. Right, Just you give use it as teaser. a springboard, yeah. unless this exactly. is really like five years away. Right. If this were just concept art, it would be okay. Some of these are renders, so it's it's closer than five years away. Oh well, I'm not the one that makes those decisions. I'm just guy. Speaking of a guy. One of my favorite character actors has crossed over this week. I don't know if you heard. Fred Ward from Tremors has has passed away. I did not hear that. Yeah, Fred Ward died at the age of 79 this year. And, you know, for me, he, he was Earl Bassett, right? Uh, Tremors, I right. think he was in Tremors 2. I don't think he was in any of the other shitty Tremors. And I'm being generous by not calling Tremors too shitty. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know who was in almost all of those movies, right? Well, who? Burt Gummer. What was that actor's name? They, I, I, Michael they Gross. Had, Michael Gross. Yes, he was in almost every Tremors movie <laughs> ever. Well, you know, it's a paycheck. It's a paycheck. Uh, Fred Ward was also in The Right Stuff back in the day, you remember. He was in one of the Crow sequels, I think. Uh, I should pull this up so that I sound a little more informed. Uh, there we go. Escape from Alcatraz, The Right Stuff, Miami Blues, The Players, Naked Gun 33 and a Third, The Crow's Salvation, Road Trip, and he was in HBO's True Detective, which I only watched a handful of episodes before it lost me. So, go get him, Fred Ward. Uh, he was... Definitely a very, very talented and prolific actor. And everybody sort of knew his face. 79. I hope I hit 79, Bert. I don't know. Yeah, you never know these days. I know, I know. I just uh, bought a shit ton of life insurance. That's kind of, kind of a creepy thing when you're betting against yourself for the next 10 years. Yeah, yeah, I've got quite a bit on me, quite a bit of life insurance on myself right now, too, so I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. You know, but hey, those android bodies aren't coming any faster. God, so. I wish. I mean, just cut me off from, like, mid-thigh down and give me some robo-legs, man. I'll take them. Then then I won't be the, the old, fat, angsty cripple. Then I'll be the old, fat, angsty guy with robo-legs. <laughs> Uh, hey, you're the Dune guy. This is your article. In case you've been living under a rock, Bert, tell everybody what's coming up in the next Dune movie. Oh, yes. They announced uh, recently that the actor who will be playing the role of the Padishah Emperor in the next Dune movie is none other than Christopher Walken. That needs some cowbell. I, I wish I had a cowbell. For those of you that are sort of trying to telegraph where I'm going with this. Oh, yeah, I'm going there. Chris Walken's best days are behind him. And I love Christopher Walken. But have you seen him lately, Bert? I have. I have, but you have to remember, the Padishah Emperor is supposed to be old. That, so. is, that is the saving grace of this casting, right? It's not Chris Walken doing another mobster movie. Or... Harrison Ford doing another Indiana Jones. Uh, did I say that out loud? <clears throat> Sorry. No, I, I, I don't have, I don't have an opinion on this one because a, I have not yet seen the new Dune. B, Dune is a secondary sci-fi title in my 
brain and and personal fandom. And Chris Walken hasn't been relevant since the 90s. So I I I remove myself. I am recusing myself from comment. I, <laughs> I pass it on to you. Tell me about why Walken is a good fit for the Emperor, because you, as you know, are my Dune barometer. True, true. Now, looking at it, and yes, I mean, in later roles, he kind of became a caricature of himself. But if you look at his early roles, like the deer hunter, Christopher Walken is capable of giving a good, solid, dramatic performance. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Just the characters given to him and how they were written, they were looking for insanity. And Christopher Walken can pull that off very well as very well. We all know. Right. No, I think, um, you know, what I think was one of his best roles that doesn't get enough credit was, do you remember the dead zone in the early oh, 80s? Oh, yes. I thought he was spectacular in the dead zone and nobody talks about it. But I'm, I'm not knocking Chris Walken. I'm just raising an eyebrow and saying, please, somebody, when it's time for me to go to pasture, put me there. <laughs> I guess. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm wondering what the director is seeing like from auditions or from performance that, you know, makes Walken the Padishah Emperor. So I'm really excited to see what he brings to this role, because I don't think it's going to be that sort of manic madness that he's been the last few years. I think we may be looking at sort of a throwback to more serious roles like the deer hunter and the dead zone. And I th- we know Walken can do that. So it'll be interesting to see like what sort of gravity he brings to the role. And that might be something where his age serves him well. So can't say that I shit on it all the way around. I can see him leveraging the the frailty of just the human condition and aging into this role. So uh, I guess I've got to watch Dune. Well, it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, last but not least, you know that in another life, I was quite enamored with the world of pro wrestling. I do. As a child of the 80s, you know, watching some of the greats like Ric Flair, Iron Sheik, Don Morocco, and 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 seeing the the transition of wrestling be quote real to the shattering of the persona of re- reality and kayfabe in the 80s and 90s to going behind the curtain in my adult life. Well, now WWE has signed a deal to make a role-playing game. (laughs) Interesting. God help us. I've fallen out of the wrestling fandom, unfortunately. Uh, The product right now is just so fucking god-awful, Bert. It's, It's terrible. I try every year to watch WrestleMania, at least, right? Because... If you're going to watch anything, you might as well watch that. Right. And WrestleMania this year was okay. It was all right. From time to time, you know, I'll tune in to the weekly and cross my fingers and hope for a miracle. And and it's just, it's a steaming pile of dog shit. It's bad. And it's kind of, I'm kind of curious to see what that role-playing game would be like. Are you building like your ring persona like is the role playing like all like your career like matches and promotions or is it um like literally like uh you know behind the scenes stuff like uh you know i don't know you know there was that independent game that we talked about oh, a couple months ago right that is sort of tackling the same thing i forget what it was called but it was a, you know, you're building your wrestler, both on-screen and off-screen persona, and, and moving them through their career. I am assuming, and the press release and the brief mention of it has 
has a lot of ambiguity. I'm assuming that this is a video game RPG. Okay. It was broken in an earnings call. And uh, on the earnings call, they released that they had recently signed a new deal in the role-playing game space that will be announced soon. But it is specifically separate from the mainline WWE series, so that's their 2K game, right? So it's some sort of new entry. Uh, I We're not going to see a tabletop game. That's small potatoes for them. I, I can, True. I can tell you right now. Uh, it, it's more than likely going to be a video game. And it's sort of just a wait and see. I threw it in there because, well, there's, no, there's nothing else to talk about this week. And, uh, hey, new video game. We can hope. I mean, I think back to some, and I've logged some hours in some of the old wrestling games. The best iterations of the WWE wrestling games were the ones where you got to take your wrestler through a really deep career mode. So maybe that they are taking that and spinning it into some sort of RPG. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of where they go with it. Yeah, well, hopefully we're not all going to tap out. But that, my friend, is the news this week. Uh, back to our table, because this week is our selfish week. We were talking at the last session, which you had to skip, about role-playing and getting back into some sort of campaign. We've been on okay. hiatus for a little bit. Uh, been hitting board games pretty hard during that hiatus. But the guys were very, very enthusiastic, and I, I sort of sat back and listened. But they were very enthusiastic about possibly doing a non-fantasy role-playing game. And I am totally on board with this because you know right now in in my heart of hearts i am very anti fifth edition and i know that that's I, you, it's kind of obvious to anyone who listens to the show and not because of any like oh you know i'm gonna rage against the 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 sparkle trolls no i just i just i'm not in love with the system i'm not in love with some of the politics, which we won't discuss here, from the sure. company. I'm not in love with some of the branding. I'm not in love with how they're handling the property that was so formative for me. So sure. I was okay. really excited when they said, yeah, let's play something non-fantasy. I was like, phew, good. Now I don't have to explain why I'm not going to DM 5th edition. Now, my question is, when they say something non-fantasy, are they thinking something more like real world based or are like sci-fi things open? Like, like where, like the conversation the was all across the board. And so okay. that's where I'm going to, I'm going to pose it to you. What do you think are some things that we should run up the flagpole? Now let's set some general structure here. Okay. There is so much cool stuff coming out. Everyday heroes, Everyday right? Heroes, everyday heroes. Every day, uh, the Blade Runner, the Blade Runner RPG, Blade Runner, Blade Runner, Blade Runner. Right? We've we've and we've talked about those, but they sure. are yet to be. So right. so we they have to currently exist. Yes, something that currently exists. Fair. That's fair. Non fantasy. Okay. And something that can spin into a campaign. Uh, uh, you know, so we're throwing out shit like fiasco that are glorified one shots right right there's no way that you could turn fiasco into campaign no okay and using those parameters let's talk about what we know is out there and what you think we could pose as a legitimate suggestion to the gang right now thinking of the different personalities that we have in our group and we have a lot and we do. I mean, we're very different people, you know. So something that's open to people with that, and I've only played it in one brief campaign. We played it for about 10, 12 weeks, um, and then it went on hiatus because the person who was running it had a bunch of things come up and couldn't get back to um, get back to it. Very common but, story in the role-playing world. 
but something that I thought was a great system and very fun for me um, because whether you wanted to be, you know, a greedy monster or, you know, an altruistic hero or, you know, a media darling, it's wide open, was a game called Unknown Armies. Unknown Armies. Who's the publisher? Atlas Games. Okay. Okay. Give us the dime store back cover version of Unknown Armies. Okay, so it's set, I mean, you could set it really in any time period, but most of the time it's set in the current world. And, um, you know, the things about Unknown Armies that are kind of cool is, um, you know, it's an occult game. It's an occult intrigue game, basically. Um, and it's a, about broken people trying, conspiring to fix the world. So your characters normally have a drive, something they want very badly. Um, you know, so, and, but basically the world could care less. Like it moves on with or without you. Sure. So, you know, you're not a hero. You're not a savior. You're not a champion. You know, you could be a cultist or a beast or a threat to tradition. And um, there's something called avatars and archetypes, right? Sure. They're sort of um, templates that everybody recognizes. Like um, an archetype of humanity that everybody recognizes. Like when you think of uh, a explorer, you get a picture in your head of what an explorer is. So basically, the more the more like the explorer archetype you are, whatever your percentage is, the more powers you get. But if you get to 100%, your character ascends and becomes an avatar instead of an archetype. And avatars don't exist in the real world. So you basically just ascend and disappear. So like you could be playing this character for months, increase your av- your archetype level, so accidentally reach 100% and the character just vanishes. Interesting. But like let me give you an example. Like here's a here's the one for the explorer. You know, everyone likes finding shiny new things. It's how knowledge passes around the globe. Whether it's ruins uh, of a forgotten kingdom, Star Wars holiday special outtake featuring a half nude B Arthur doing coke. Um, you know, <laughs> So basically, like, you can make this as funny or as serious as you want. I think that that is for sure one that we can throw out there to the guys. I um, I think it's really neat how Ascension is, like, your final goal. Sure, yeah. Basically, if you become 100% of an archetype, then you replace the current... Like, there's one called the star, which is, like, the media darling. Like, you want to be the most famous person in the world. And once you hit it, zap, you get a new avatar. You're gone. (laughs) Oh, irony. How funny. Let's see. You know, I was kicking up around some of the old classics and standbys, you know, Call of Cthulhu, which we love the IP, but I don't love the system. True. The system's kind of a little wonky. You know, but the uh, the the IP is great. I mean, we love the great old ones as a collective group. Like anything that's, you know, oh, Cthulhu's in it. Get one. You're we'll right, play right, it. right. <laughs> and um, you know, we talked some of the some of the things that were thrown out at the last session. Things like chill, which I I do like chill. But there's one that that I've wanted to play for a long time, and I haven't played it for a very very long time and that is deadlands hmm are you familiar with deadlands wasn't it by was deadlands done by the people who did like gamma world it's like a cowboy horror thing yeah yeah it's it's weird west i remember playing it in the late 90s and enjoying the hell out of it and there was a kickstarter for the reboot 
of Deadlands. It, I guess, went live. The Kickstarter page was last updated at the beginning of the month, and it looks like they've just opened up the Pledge Manager so that if you want to get it, you can download the, the revised version of Deadlands and play your Weird West Adventurer. So maybe you are an undead cowboy. Maybe you are an escaped super kung fu geisha roaming around the wild, wild west. I mean, who, who doesn't want to be a motherfucking cowboy? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the team from Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds, okay. There we okay. go. It, it took me a while for, for the synapses to connect in my brain. Um, yeah, Gamma World was something else. I'm sorry. Yeah, but Savage Worlds was the one I was thinking of. Yes. So well, I am familiar with Deadlands. I never got a chance to play it. The guys I came up with, you know, in that time frame were all about the D&D. Right. And, and let's let's face facts. D&D was king for so very 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 long. I would say probably until this last 18 months, 2 years. D&D was at the top of the mountain. Now, Pathfinder, for the last, uh, we'll give them a decade, has given them a good run for their money. But now, with digital distribution being common, there are so many great things that are coming to be that never had the chance to do it before. You can play anything you want. And Deadlands is kind of one of those things that's on my list. I remember having a really, really good time with it back in the day, so there is a little bit of a nostalgia factor for me, but it's also been so long, I couldn't tell you about that campaign, because it was brutal, it was short-lived, and, uh, you know, I was a kid, sort of. And I can't think of too many um, role-playing games that are set in that Old West time period. Right. The only thing that concerns me, and this was something that... I had a conversation with another more wise old grognard friend of mine is specifically firearms in tabletop role-playing games are really dicey as far as how you handle the mechanics behind them. Because, let's face facts, if you get shot, you're dead. <laughs> right? <laughs> um so it's it's interesting to see how they do. It's twenty five dollar PDF. I'll I'll pick it up because why not? Just to just to look through. But I'm I'm always leery when you're dealing with guns in a tabletop role playing game. How it's going to translate? Now, let me ask you a question, and I I don't think we've ever discussed this before. How do you feel about the fate system? I really like the fate system, but the fate system is really reliant on a very specific type of gaming group. Because Right, the, I mean, it is scene and stunt-based, very much so. And if you're developing it, and maybe this is because I really wanted to run it with our group, but it just, we didn't have the right makeup at the time, and this is what I'm talking about. Uh, world building and even character creation is a group role play process. Right. So you have to have a group that is invested, creative, and willing to just dive in. And I'm the not saying that, that our I... group isn't. Sure. It, it, it just, the group that we had at the time when, when we tr gave Fate the last go, we were half pregnant. Us old-timers, mm. as as in old-timers to our group, we were all in. But we had a couple of new folks that were not comfortable with that level of autonomy. The reason that I ask specifically is because you were talking about wanting to play Call of Cthulhu or something with the old, old gods or whatever right. tied to it. Have you seen Evil Hat's Fate of Cthulhu? I have. I have. And With I, the corruption mechanics and the... Uh... 
I, you know, and the corrupted stunts and things like that. That uh, basically, it's a it's a modified fate system. I don't own it. I didn't read it in its entirety. Um, I know what I've read about it, and I passed on it specifically because I didn't like how they handled corruption and sanity. Okay. Um, it, it just. <sighs> It didn't feel right, so to speak. I I mean, I developed um, quasi-homebrew sanity rules based on the sanity rules in the Book of Vile Darkness 3rd edition. And I thought that they were way more cohesive <laughs> than what than what Fate was, was, was bringing to the table. Um, as far as Cthulhu games that are out there, we talked about um, the Roman Cthulhu game from... The makers of Octung, and I. Right, but it's not out yet, right? But Octung is, and I would be willing to give that a go before I would go down the Fate Road, just so, because I think it's a little more substantial. And I did read through Octung since we talked about it, and okay. I like what I see from the system. Am I in love with World War Two? No, but does it have to be World War Two? No. So, um. If we were going to go the Cthulhu route, you know, there is Call of Cthulhu. Great. Uh, system's bad. <laughs> always has been. Always will be. <laughs> I just, maybe someday we'll get something good. But I would I would skew towards Octung. Now, there are a bunch of new systems that are set in nostalgic time periods or um, things like that. But I don't know. I don't know that our group would get into those either. Like, right, right. You know, I've played some pretty fun things. Like, I've had fun playing kids on bikes. But I can't see all of our kids getting into like an ET or a Goonies or a, you know what I mean, like a kids on bike style story. Did pick up the Goonies board game for cheap at Target. <laughs> um, or like I've played. I've had a lot of fun playing um, Stars Without Number. But again, that's sort of based on heavy role play mechanics. Like it's very character driven, right? And I'm not saying that the guys in our group won't role play or won't be their character or won't act like their character. But like to throw them into something that has more rule of cool than rule of law may be a difficult transition for them. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. So lots of good options. So we're going to bring those up to our group and see what they think about it. Hopefully we've sparked some creative juices in your brains out there. And you might have an idea that you want to bring up to your group. Or you might have an idea that you want to throw our way. And if that's the case, you can always email us. Email us at nerdcognitopodcast at gmail.com. You can... Call the Nerd Cognito hotline at 323-694-4242 and leave us your messages. <laughs> the powers that be have been forwarding me all of the messages that are pretty much, fuck you, Ryan. That's that's like all we get. <laughs> There's never anything fun in the hotline. So give us, give us your ideas, 323-694-4242. Give us something fun and give us something that we can actually, you know, maybe air because, you know, you're not the first person to tell me to go F myself. Uh, but uh, send us your thoughts of the things that we didn't maybe talk about but you think could be a great option for us. But uh, that's about it for us this week, Bert. Now, Ryan, I have to ask before we go, we've talked, we talked about a whole bunch of different systems do you have a, a uh, favorite horse in the running right now? I don't. I don't. You you know that, much like my taste in women, I will play anything. So, um... <laughs> don't tell your wife that. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old for that stuff. Give me those pills. I'm going to the bar. Um... No, I, I don't have anything that's standing out uh, and screaming to be played. I, I have a lot of systems. I have a lot of books on the shelf. 
um, Alien. I was ready to go with it, and it sort of got sidelined. Um, and the more it got sidelined, the more I said, oh, you know, it's getting sidelined because the other guys aren't 100% all in on playing it. And I definitely want something where right. everybody is vested. We thank you for listening to us. We hope that you're subscribed. You can subscribe on the podcast provider of your choice. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. Click that button, subscribe to us. If you feel so inclined, throw us a review. I'm, I'm tempted to ask you to throw us one-star reviews now. <laughs> because <laughs> I think since reviews are kind of meaningless anyhow, we should sort of thumb our nose at the Sparkle Trolls anyhow. But you throw us the review that you see fit. Uh, it, it really just strokes our ego. What's most important is if you are enjoying the show, share it. Tell your friends to subscribe and listen. Well, that is it for us. My name is Ryan David. That is Bert. I'll try not to irritate too many people this week. You take <laughs> care of yourselves, and thanks for tuning in. Until next time, my friends. Have a good week, everybody. Be safe out there. No!